You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, buddy, I'm doing good. We've got a lot of action to cover, so let's just jump right into it. And I think we got to start. With the big game there on the Plains, Shane, Georgia locked up the SEC East by beating Auburn on the road 21-14. And this was a hard-fought battle that, uh, you know, there for a while it looked like Georgia was just going to dominate it. And then Auburn kind of, I don't want to say caught fire because, you know, if they really caught fire, I think they could have won this game. But they got a little momentum going here. Uh, you know, the difference in the game, Jake Fromm, a 51-yard pass early in the, uh, I think it was the first quarter there, and I mean, that was really the difference. It, it just kind of set the tone for the for most of the game, I thought, until Georgia went on a, a crazy three-and-out stretch there. Uh, but, and then one of the biggest plays, in my mind, Shane, Georgia, let me set the scene here, final possession of the first half, Georgia's up 7-0. to they were running out the clock, eager to go to halftime, just 7-0, third down. But Gus Malzahn called a timeout, Shane, wanting that ball back. And, you know, it's very easy to go in hindsight and say, what in the hell are you doing there, Gus? Your offense is doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But you understand why he wants a ball back there. But it really blew up on him because Georgia got a first down. After that timeout, got some momentum. They drove the length of the field and scored a touchdown. It was 14 to nothing seconds before halftime and that just really did in Auburn and it, it just uh, the mo- all the momentum was in the world was seized there and, and Auburn was just never able to catch back up no uh, you're right and this was a this was a interesting game I, I don't want to say it was exciting because it wasn't at first you know it was a, it was a defensive struggle and it just Auburn Auburn would do great things and move the ball, but then it just felt like they just never had, and they they just couldn't come away with a complete drive. And Georgia just kept chipping away, doing their thing, running the ball. But I will say, uh, Jake Fromm actually looked pretty damn good. You know, I've uh, we've been kind of critical of him of late, but you know the the benefit to him running. 
you know, uh, all the time, the benefit Georgia running all the time, man, that play action, when they did go to it, it was almost wide open every single time. Yeah, and I mean, you, you hit on Jake Fromm, definitely, I mean, he had another solid performance. He didn't do anything that, that really wowed you. I mean, he had the three touchdowns, which obviously – that was that's what won George the game, but he was only thirteen to twenty eight passing. He did what he had to do, particularly on the road. So I'm not trying to diminish what he accomplished because we all know how good Auburn's defense is. We all know how good Georgia's defense is. I mean, this these are the two best defenses in the SEC, maybe the two best in the nation. I mean, I that's kind of my takeaway from this one. But how about this, Shane? Going into this one, if I were to tell you Bo Nix was going to throw the ball 50 times. Mm. I don't think there's any chance anyone would say, well, yeah, Auburn's going to win that game. I mean, <laughs> no. what in the hell are they thinking here, asking the freshman? Now, he completed 30 of them for 245 and a touchdown, no interceptions. He did. There was one turnover in the game, Shane. It was when uh, Bo Nix fumbled on a rush. He was also Auburn's leading rusher. So, it, it, to me, it just felt like they asked Bo Nix to do too much. And for the vast majority of this game, Shane, he was unable to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not trying to put old Gus, push the Gus bus off the railing here, but it just seems like, I know they scored 14 here at the tail end of this game, but I don't know, for for the vast majority of this game, I mean, this, this offense was just terrible. Yeah. Seems like the fans are fed up here, Shane. And now, thanks to this result, Gus Malzahn, since the 2014 season, his second season there at Auburn, he's 2-10 and combined against Georgia-Alabama. And then if you want to take that a step further, I believe he is 4-for-14 four if you want to throw in LSU as well. So, I don't know, Shane. I'm hearing rumblings. I'm not reporting this, but... People I know down there at Auburn saying Gus Malzahn not expected to be back. How crazy would that be? It's such a wild turn because I'm a, I don't think they should they should fire this guy. I don't know what that I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means they're gonna fire him. I don't know if if I mean if anything I think he's gonna be looking for a, a job to jump to if he is not back. Mm-hmm. How wild is it that uh, you know two years ago got the extension and. You know, he was on the hottest of hot seats. So, I mean, I guess I guess it wouldn't be stunning if he left here. But, I mean, he's still facing a nine-win season here. No, no, I, I get that. And, you know, it's just Auburn's in a weird position, you know. They got a phenomenal defense. And like you said, they just can't get anything going with their offense. But they are really – I mean, they're so young. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Two years from now, this this may be one of the most elite offenses in the, in the nation. You know, it's just – it's just night and day when you compare the studs they got on one side of the ball compared to the other, you know. And and Georgia, you know, Georgia did their thing. Uh, uh, you know, Swift Swift was very impressive. I mean, he had some. I mean, some highlight reels there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all in all, like you said, they were able to keep Georgia in check, make this a ball game. Auburn's offense didn't get going until the fourth quarter, and it was almost felt like it was too late. Like they couldn't afford to make a mistake at that moment, you know, and they still even had an opportunity to tie this thing up. So I think when you look at a team like Auburn, you look at the talent that you do have, and the close games 
sometimes those are harder than the than the blowouts, man. When you because then you could take one or two plays and say, well, if this would have been done differently, we mm-hmm. would have won the game. And you find yourselves blaming the coach. So I think you know with the Georgia seven point win and, and with the LSU the three point game, you know there's there's a handful of plays that you can blame Gus for for losing the game. You know. Yeah, that's an interesting point, Shane. Like, uh, if anyone missed it, Auburn did recover an onside kick. But unfortunately, Anthony Schwartz, fastest man alive, he bl- he blocked a little too quickly. you got to wait for that ball to reach 10 yards before you can engage in a block. I mean, he's so damn fast, he beat the ball. And mm-hmm. I don't even think it was a difference in the play. But un- unfortunately, those are the rules. So... They had to re-kick it, and uh, that was that was a big missed opportunity. Like I said, that 51-yard touchdown pass, if that doesn't happen, maybe this is a different game if Gus doesn't call that timeout. And again, that's incredibly easy to say that in hindsight, but, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the truth of the matter. I mean, that man, there's just if you, crucial if, mistakes If here. you didn't abandon the run, you know. I, I mean, I know mm-hmm. the running game was hard to come by, but – you know, something we've been talking about for this team to get going, which they did in the fourth quarter, you know, they were able to run a little bit. And, you know, when they become a balanced team and you don't put everything on Bo, then, you know, it's a more efficient offense. But yeah, that's easier said than done because we, I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of bullheaded and I'm sure a lot of people out here are, you know, but I'm, I'm starting to come around the idea that Georgia may have one of the best defenses in the nation, you know, because they, they keep bringing it every single week. You know, I'm glad you said that, Shane, because I do want to ask you this. I don't think there really is a wrong answer, and I feel like I'm going to piss off somebody no matter what I say, but <laughs> which defense, now that we've seen basically the entire regular season, only two games left, which defense do you think is better, Georgia or Auburn's? You know, I think balanced Georgia right now. I mean, obviously that Auburn front is the best in the nation. Mm-hmm. There there's no doubt there. Those those guys are absolute studs. But but as far as a complete unit, yeah, I'm I'm giving the nod right now to the Georgia Bulldogs. Mhm. Yeah, I could see that and I'm not you know, there's no slight in saying you got the second best of this category because like I said, if you're the second best of these units, you maybe have the second best defense in the nation. Yeah, But I think I'm going with Auburn still, and I think the difference for me is the fact that it seems like time and time again they got to carry this team. Imagine if uh, Jake Fromm was on Auburn's roster. And, that again, not to take away from Bo Nix, I think he's going to be a great SEC player for years to come, but still a true freshman. I think uh, the fact that they just get so little help from their offense at times, almost three and a half quarters of this game, you know, yeah. so I, I think that's the slight difference for me. But you, you really can't go wrong either way. Um, I mean, both these defenses are outstanding. That's why these two teams were in the top thirteen heading into this one. You know, the only the only thing though, I'm a little concerned with Georgia because if you think about it, name name the best offense that they faced this year. You know, they haven't faced LSU. They haven't faced Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, the best offense. Yeah, you could probably argue was uh, Florida, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, what do they do when they're truly tested by uh, by an ex- excellent offense? Which I think they're 
you know, the, it, they, I think it gets a little tougher next week as far as offense production. You know, Texas A&M's hitting on all cylinders. But right. I think we don't realize – I don't think we figure out how good this Georgia defense is until the SEC championship, man. Well, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart, Shane. After this one, I was asked about uh, the big pa- passing play that really set the tone in this one on his offensive line's performance, which I thought was outstanding going against this uh, Auburn defensive line. I believe they only allowed one sack. Now, there was a lot of pressure on Jake Fromm, but enough for him to you know pick apart Auburn's defense when he had the opportunity. And, uh, you know, the Bulldogs still went for 140 on the ground, which is outstanding considering Auburn's defense. And then uh, if anyone missed it, Kirby went a little wild after this one, (laughs) jumping all over the place, chest buffs, bumping. He ended up on his rear, but uh, I just thought uh, his comment here was pretty great. You've talked about the lack of explosive plays, but you hit the big touchdown with Blaylock there early. What did you see on that? And I guess what does it do for the team when they get a big explosive play like that early in the game? Certainly helped confidence for the wideouts. I mean, we got behind them. They were in a quarters coverage. I don't know if the guy busted the assignment or blew it, but Jake threw a nice ball. Donald made a really nice adjustment in that ball because it was, you know, it wouldn't hit stride. He had to bend back a little bit. You know, the difference in the game was probably our red area offense because we were able to not kick field goals and get touchdowns where in the past weeks we haven't been able to do that. And, hey, look. I give all the credit in the world to Auburn's defense. Coach Steele, Coach Garner, their staff, their players. You know, everybody talks about their front. They've got really good corners as well. I know you probably got to watch the film, but your offensive line against their defensive line was something everybody wanted to see. How do you, how do you think you guys there? You rush from 141, that's tough to do against those guys. I'm going to be honest with you. You ask anybody else in the SEC, if you rush 36 times, get 141 on Auburn, it's not easy doing that. Uh, difference is some of the teams don't have to rush it. They just throw it every down on them. So, I mean, those guys are physical. Our guys, I thought, matched up well. We got a big offensive line. Uh, I don't know how we did pass, but we opening sacks. One, 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 yeah, one early, and Jake, Jake threw a couple of away that, that we had some pressure. And, I mean, they got, they got good players, too. Uh, we just got to keep getting better, and we'll continue to do that. Regretting probably chest bump Trayvon there. Hell no. I, I just bumped Trayvon all day. I thought I might lose an ACL, but uh, I was committed to it. <laughs> all right, Shane, the one thing I didn't add in that, I just want to make a note of three times during this presser, and it was only about an eight-minute presser. So imagine he's getting asked this question three times about winning the SEC East for the third consecutive season. Every single time he went straight, Bill Belichick, we got to focus on a and M. So Kirby's locked in, man. He knows, uh, you know, it doesn't mean a whole lot if they somehow drop a game to, to Texas A&M or Georgia Tech that, yes, they'd still go to Atlanta, but their playoff hopes would be on life support. And I think based on uh, what we've seen from Georgia's defense here in the last couple weeks, I mean, I think the Bulldogs are a legit contender once again, as if there was any doubt for the national title. Do you think there's any any chance for a setback this coming up week? I mean, is there? I mean, because they do, they got it locked up. They can lose and still make it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they won't make the playoffs. But uh, are you a little worried about next week, just knowing the fact that they've sealed up the the East already? Yeah, I I am. Now we'll get to Texas A&M in a little bit here, but. I mean, they just continue to play better and better. It just mm-hmm. seems they're more steady each and every week. 
Uh, their defense, I don't want to say a concern. I mean, they, they played great against South Carolina, but uh, the offense, like you said, is is really starting to go, really starting to feel that stride. And I think it's going to be a challenge for Georgia's defense next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Shane. Now, now flipping over to the other side, we're talking about this guy already, Gus Malzahn. He kind of had some questions to answer here on why Bo Nix, you know, why he's a little bit better in that two-minute offense. Maybe they should have went to that, obviously, a lot sooner on his decision to call the timeout there before halftime that blew up in his face. Uh, and then on uh, the first score, he, he says that really got his offense going. They just kept waiting for it. It's just, it's just too damn bad it came with a <laughs> The tail end of the, you know, fourth quarter there. And then on uh, where his team goes from here, sitting with uh, three losses on the season. Jess, what do you think makes um, Bose so effective in the two-minute offense? What's that? What do you think makes Bose so effective in the two-minute offense? You know, I think we, we got first downs and we got in some rhythm. That first first half, they had us backed up on their end of the field a lot, and we didn't get a lot of first downs. The first drive we did, and then we got it on the one we fumbled, but that was really about it. But when we get that initial first down, I mean, we're a better offense, and, and Bo's comfortable you know, in that setting. Did you think about going to that earlier in the second half in the third quarter? Yeah, we were just trying to get a feel for for the game. We thought we could do some things in the third, third quarter. We came out, and we tried to spread them out and run the football, and we thought we could, and we got down there, I guess, to the – the 40 right there, and of course we didn't get any points. Then we got uh, the short field after their uh, punt, and like, I think they had a 15-yard penalty, got the ball in the 40-yard line, so we took a shot, and you know it kind of went outside right there. But uh, we were just trying to be aggressive, trying to get explosive play at that point. But uh, Late there in the uh, second quarter, you called a timeout yeah. with about a minute left. Yeah, you know, I was thinking, you know, I got a lot of faith in our defense, and you know, you call a timeout. Of course, they went down and scored. Obviously, that didn't work out. But, you know, they had the ball coming out the second half. And, you know, I was thinking that we had a chance to get the ball back right there with a possible short field. And, uh, you know, we you know, we were talking like we just got to score the first touchdown. Score the first touchdown, we'll get the crowd back in and get some momentum. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And, uh, like I said, that was, you know, we had a real chance, I thought, to tie the game. You know, late, real unfortunate, real unfortunate. Gus, where does this team go from here? Well, the team goes for, you know, we got a game next week, and then we play our rival right out here. I mean, that's that's where we're at. I mean, we're disappointed. I think everybody can see we got a good football team. And um, we've had some tough, close losses. That was another one. But we have great character uh, in our locker room, and uh, our guys are disappointed. They'll rebound. They'll rebound and finish this thing. All right, Shane, as you can imagine, old Gus was pretty demoralized after this one. I think, uh, you know, while it was tough losing two games already on the season, I think it was very easy to sell to his team, hey, we're we're back home. We're nearly impossible to beat here. If we defeat Georgia, that's going to give us a ton of momentum to go into the Iron Bowl and do what we did in 2017. I really thought they had an outstanding chance to do it, but they let it slip through their fingers here. Where does Auburn go from here? I know, you know, obviously we'll get to Tua's situation here, but, man, imagine if uh, this Auburn team loses in the Iron Bowl yet again at home. I mean, I think that's a realistic possibility, don't you? Yeah, no, it really is. And and if they drop that Alabama game, I, you know, who knows? 
maybe they do get rid of Gus, you know, because Auburn's been kind of a tale of, of uh, two halves, you know, they started out really strong and surprised a lot of people and people got excited and pumped up about them. And, and they just seem to be drifting ever since that Florida game. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I think th- I think a lot of fans are disappointed with Auburn University down there, and um, it would not surprise me if Gus goes. Yeah, and I don't know how much uh, you know comments like people on game day. How much that really matters? You know, I, I mean, I got all the respect in the world for those people, but they do a good <laughs> they, they do a good job and everything. But last time Kirk got talking, <laughs> he got a Florida State guy fired, so yeah. well, <laughs> they do got a lot of pull. <laughs> I, it wasn't Kurt. I was going to mention uh, Reese Davis. Oh, I don't know if uh, Auburn fans caught it there, but on Saturday's edition, you know, he noted that, uh, and I, th- I think a lot of Auburn fans, this will ring true, to where it just seems like they're wasting, you know, the best defense in the SEC, and this is Gus Malzahn's offense. This is, uh, you know, there's a reason he's the offensive coordinator why he took control, so to speak, this off season, and. I mean, if he can't get it done, I mean, it's it's on him this time. There's no one else to blame. You know what? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's that's it. He 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 removed the scapegoat when he started this season, but his he felt like his back was against the wall at that moment, and and I don't blame him. I mean, if I if my job's on the line and offense is my thing, I'm going to take I'm going to take those reins and I'm put it on me. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it seemed to be working at first, but. It's it's almost like they're they're forgetting the identity as they go on. We you know the, again they just abandoned the run and and I know it was tough yardage to get against Georgia, but you got to keep them honest. Uh, and that's why they weren't able to score till the fourth quarter. I felt. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Let's uh, sticking in the SEC West here. Let's jump on down to Starkville, where Alabama took care of business, thirty-eight to seven. But of course, the big story from this one. Just the devastating news. Tua Tungavaloa uh, fractured his hip, and uh, man, it was just an ugly, ugly scene. Had to be uh, carted off the field, then ambulanced out, then helicoptered out. I mean, yeah. worrying for hope for the worst, obviously. But it's, it's almost like, I mean, it felt like it was like a life-threatening thing here when it's when it's that bad. But uh, you know, all indications, Alabama's released an updated statement here on Sunday saying he will have surgery on his hip in Houston with a specialist down there. They're expecting him to make a full recovery, so that's outstanding news. But, of course, he's gone for the season. Alabama's best quarterback of all time. We may never see him again in that uniform. Uh, just a truly, truly sad way for such a great player to go out. Absolutely, man. Um, I, I this was, you know, this is what everybody was watching when it happened, and uh, I've seen a lot of mixed emotions over this situation. First off, obviously, we we wish nothing but the best for Tua. Um, I you you hate seeing something like that, you know, like comparing this injury to Bo Jackson's, you know. Mm-hmm. But then you, on the other side, you you ask yourself. You know, we knew he was banged up coming in this game. Now, it has nothing to do with the ankle, but there's a lot of – I've seen a lot of finger pointing online, Mike. Do you think there should be? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. Obviously, you know, we'll play Saban's clips here, and um, I don't think anyone is suggesting that, you know, that he willingly put Tua in harm's way or anything, or he knew that, uh, 
you know, that he could get hurt here, but it just seems so stupid when you're up, you're up by 28 and mm-hmm. the rationale immediately after this injury, when before they knew the severity of it was Nick Saban said it himself. So we're not taking words out of his mouth or anything, but he just said that uh, Tua needed, you know, practice running the two minute offense. And that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he started all but one game this year. He started all last year. He played his freshman year. I mean, what in the hell does he need extra two-minute practice for? You got Western Carolina next week. I mean, right. you don't, you're not going to need it in that game. If you, if you really want to practice it, just run it the whole first quarter. So I mean, it just didn't make any sense to me. And, I understand, and it looked like they were warming up Mac Jones, ready to take two out anyway. Uh, being up by so many and throwing the ball even. I mean, it's just with all the questions surrounding his health leading up to this game, it just, you know, obviously the number one thing, they'd, they'd take back all those decisions if they could, but it just, it, I just thought it was so stupid. Yeah, and I'm with you, man. I, I'm kind of, you know, with, you know, two is a player, two is a baller, and two wants to do everything he can to, uh, not only better himself, but better this school, better this university. You know, he's he's create he's making a legacy down there, and uh, of course he wants to go. You know, but you're a grown ass man. You know what I'm saying? You're an adult here. You're the one that's getting paid millions of dollars to say, okay, what what do we benefit him being in there? Is there a chance that Mississippi State wins this game? Absolutely, but when it's 28. When it's 35-7, do they have the opportunity then? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like it felt to me like he didn't want to throw the towel in because Tua felt good. And, you know, you're you're taking – I don't know how old Tua is, 20, we'll say 21, something around there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got a kid telling you that he feels good, he's ready to go. But you saw him last week limping like crazy after the game. You know that he's been limping around the facilities all week long, you know. You, you know that you can wrap up these two games without him and have a real shot to win the playoffs. So it just, I don't know, there's there's a piece of me that just wants to blame Saban and, and, and call him selfish because that's what it felt like, man. It felt like they went out there and tried to get a signature win to bounce back after that LSU game so people are talking about Alabama again. Yeah, like uh... – you know they knew they're on the bubble, so you got to win these games by fifty to <laughs> yeah, to stay in the exactly. conversation. You know, so uh, you know we we don't really know if that's what was going on there, but it certainly looks that way. But uh, you know, going to the actual game, man, Mississippi State just shot themselves in the foot. I mean, couldn't couldn't <laughs> yeah. start any worse than this game. I mean, they were stopping on Alabama, it seemed like, but. Every third down, there seemed to be a damn penalty, so mm-hmm. kept drives alive. Alabama was outstanding on third downs when two was in the game. I don't think they got stopped a single time. And then uh, Tommy Stevens' first pass of the game, <laughs> oh, man. Just threw, <laughs> it, over Tommy. just threw it right at a linebacker just standing there. It looked like it was intended for the Alabama linebacker. So uh, Alabama jumped up to about a 14-0 lead in about 10 seconds. So. I mean, it was downhill from there. I mean, if you're going to beat Alabama, you simply cannot make these kinds of mistakes, and you have to force Alabama to do them, which they rarely do. So, 
I mean, it, this one was damn over before it really even got going here. I think uh, outside of Tua's injury, of course, the biggest story for Alabama, Najee Harris continues to get going, and that's obviously going to be huge with Tua out. Najee had never scored three touchdowns in a single Alabama game, Shane. Scored three on the ground, one receiving, and this is coming off that big LSU game where outside of Tua and some of these receivers, he was kind of the stud for Alabama, so at least – they got that going for. I mean, I think it's going to be the Najee Harris show moving forward, and uh, at least particularly next week against Western Carolina, and probably try to get him going there against Auburn. Uh, any confidence that, uh, from what you've seen, of Najee Harris kind of lends to believe that uh, he could be kind of the star of this offense. Yeah, I, I think so, and I think it's going to get become more of a balanced attack because the play calling, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Alabama was an RPO where Tua decided if he was going to run the ball, if they were going to run the ball or pass it. And I don't think we're going to see that with Jones. I think we're going to see a lot more scripted, either passing or rushing. And, and of course we all know Saban what he likes. He likes to, to, to bleed that clock. He likes to get his defense off the field as, as much as possible. So yeah, I, I think the, I think the identity of the offense changes a little bit here with the quarterback, obviously, uh, but I, I see more scripted plays in trying to get Judy and Smith and those guys in space so that they can do all the work, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, so let's kick it over to Nick Saban after the game, who was asked about Tua, kind of went into some detail here on Alabama's execution on these third and longs that I kind of hit on there. And then finally on the emergence of Najee Harris, who's playing his best football there in his Alabama career. Well, we felt like if he could move in pregame, which we took him out before pregame, um, before the team ever went out, worked him out, um, he was good. He was uh, at least as good uh, as he was a week ago in terms of his ability to move. And um, I didn't think that uh, anything that he did affected his performance, you know, in this game in the first half. And um, so, you know, I, so the guy played, and I thought he played really well. And, uh, you know, we hate it that he got injured. We hate it for him. We hate it for his family. Uh, I hate it if any player on our team gets injured. Um, so, you know, uh, I mean, Godspeed to him and, and, and his entire family, and our thoughts and prayers are with him, and hope this is not so serious that it has any long-term effect on his, uh, you know, future uh, as a player. You know, the way I looked at this whole thing is Tua's our number one quarterback. If he's physically able to play, we wanted to play him in the game. That's what he wanted to do, um, and that's what our team wanted to do. Um, if I would know, knowing that anything bad was going to happen, I certainly wouldn't have put him in that situation. Um, but, you know, we're a team, and we're a team that's trying to get better in the long term, in the long run. Uh, to see, you know, if we can finish the season the way we want. And, you know, I, I, I hate it that the guy got hurt. You know, that's been something that we've done a good job of all year long. Uh, we don't really want to create those situations, and especially in this game because, you know, we felt like that's their M.O. as a team, try to give you negative plays, try to get you in third and long. And then they got a pretty exotic third down package of a lot of odd different pressures that – uh, you know, they try to heat you up with. And um, so we were trying to avoid those situations today. 
Uh, but I know we overcame some, and, and some of them were caused by penalties and, uh, you know, things of that nature that, um, you know, we need to do a better job of keeping ourselves out of those kind of situations. I think when you have skilled guys like we do, um, it always gives us an opportunity to make explosive plays. I know the very first drive they played cover two on third and long and hit Jerry on the middle read down the middle for an explosive play. So, um, you know, I, I just think that our players recognize what they're in and um, I thought we did a good job of converting some of those situations today, which were, you know, real key for us. Yeah, Najee's played really well the last, I mean, I thought he played great last week. I thought he played really well today. I think his confidence level is uh, really, you know, sort of, he's gained confidence all year long. Uh, the more he plays, the more success he has. Um, he's running the plays very efficiently and effectively. He's a hard guy to tackle. He's a really good receiver. Um, and he's just done a really, really good job. And I'm really pleased with the way he's played the last couple of weeks. All right, Shane. So, you know, there you got the spiel there from Saban on Tua. Obviously, devastating news here. And it is what it is. But, uh, mm, man, it's just it's just tough, you know. Let me ask you, Mike. I mean, the kid's still going to go to the NFL. He's still going to make millions of dollars. So, you know, I, I feel bad for him because I do think that he lost a lot of money with this injury. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's going to be a lot of teams that pass on him because they are afraid that he is prone for injury. Right. But, you know, a lot of people want to crown two as one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. And, and if you think about it, the man's only won one national title and he didn't even play the entire game. So do you think – do you think I'm overreacting, saying that he's the best quarterback? Or do you think when we look back ten years from now, are we still going to say Tua was the greatest quarterback to ever play for the University of Alabama? Hmm. Um, yeah, I think so. Okay, <laughs> but I, I, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong; he's gifted. I'm just, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm just curious what you thought. Now that I could change my tune, Shane, if somehow Jalen Hurts and Oklahoma win the national title this year. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it would be just as easy to flip it over and say, hell, maybe Alabama made a mistake here. Now, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> it's that's it's easy uh-huh. to say because, I mean, Tua saved him that national championship, damn near won him another one. So, I mean, you're talking two of the best players in all of college football. But, yeah, I think uh, – I know Tua's been limited, but, I mean, he's just a special, special talent that – I know Alabama recruits five stars, Shane, but – I mean, they've been doing it for a while, and I I can't remember them ever having a quarterback as dynamic <laughs> with his arm as Tua. You know what? I got you. You know, it's funny. Yesterday, I was I was walking out after the game, and uh, I, I I passed a guy. He had an Alabama hat on, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm sorry to hear about your quarterback." You know, I was really being nice. You know, right? He looked at me square in the eye, and you know what he said, Mike? What's that? It's all right. We already got 17 national championships. <laughs> you know, like, I can't. <laughs> like. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. You have a good day too, sir. <laughs> it's all right. We already got 17 championships. That's a Jeez, I'm just trying to say, man, I'm sorry for your quarterback, brother. You know, what, if, hey, what if, what if Jones takes over and wins a national, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden they catch fire because he is, he's, he's more of a system quarterback, more of a game manager or something that we've seen in the past with Nick Saban. What if, 
if I mean, obviously they don't have to play in the SEC championship. Uh, well, no, that's not necessarily true. It could happen, but it, it, let's just say they go to the playoffs, they win out, win a national championship, mm-hmm. and do do we look back and say? I mean, again, I'm, I'm not trying to play. I guess I am. Do we look back and and say, is this a system thing, or do we do we you know? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, I just uh, I'll just cut you off here, Shane. It ain't right, it, thanks, it ain't it ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> I need to cut off. I'm on number three. Flipping to the other side of this one, Shane. I mean, obviously, a rough outing for Mississippi State here, and these games against LSU. I guess Auburn, I mean, within the first quarter, I'd say the LSU game, they they made it to the second quarter, but the rest of these, you knew they were over, I mean, very quickly. And again, I'm not trying to pile on Joe Moorhead here because after listening to, I don't know if anyone out there is a fan of uh, Dave Barr 2 CFB Matrix, we, we will have him on after the sh- after the season to kind of break down some of these coaching grades but according to his grades Joe Moorhead is actually doing two games better than anticipated at Mississippi State as hard as that may be to believe but what I'm trying to say here is Shane I mean it's certainly if you're just watching the you know results on the field Mississippi State taking a significant step back since Dan Mullen left I don't think that's you know much of a stretch to say where does Mississippi State go from here? I'm not saying they should get rid of Joe Moorhead because, I, again, I don't think this is a, a type of a program where you can just be hiring and firing guys. And, you know, I, th- I think you really got to give him a chance to get his guys in there. It looks like already he's got his quarterback and he's, you know, he's good at identifying that at least. And, mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, the offense has taken some steps, but just against these elite competition, I know at Mississippi State, you know, you're not demanding that you beat Alabama and LSU and Auburn or anything, but I think they at least expect you to compete with these teams. And in year two here, I mean, they're just getting blown off the, the damn map by these elite teams. Yeah, I, I think, too, Mississippi State's more of a – I mean, they, they kind of caught themselves in a little bit of a situation. First off, you got all the suspensions, you know. That, that right. was a big deal, and that's looming. So those guys aren't playing most of these games – including this one here. I'm sure they all sat out mm-hmm. for this Alabama game. But, you know, that that added depth. I, I, I think a lot of people don't realize just the drop-off between their ones and twos and uh, because it's significant. This is a thin team, and, and you see it later in the games usually when they get – you know, if they if they're not able to keep moving the the chains and keep that offense on the field, that defense gets exposed toward the end, and and I think that's what we're running into. And I all that, I mean, that's going to happen. That's going to happen when you have a uh, a coach change. You know, this is something you're just going to have to build up in recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have flashes of of some talent, young talent on that team, and I'm I'm not I'm not ready to fold folded up on a coach because I think he's he's done a hell of a job with what he's been working with down there well let's kick it over to him Shane Joe Moorhead on his program and uh, you know if they've taken a step back he's not really buying that and then on the confidence level of his team down the stretch Joe the, the top three teams in the division being Auburn LSU Alabama last year against those teams pretty competitive even beat Auburn uh, 
this year uh, that the margin's been a lot wider. What do you think has contributed to that margin, and uh, is it them being that much better, or have you guys taken a step back potentially? No, I don't necessarily say step back. I'd say it's a combination of things. Uh, you know, we'll continue to look at them, work at them, and you know, get better. Coach, along those lines of uh, Tyler's question, how do you begin to kind of narrow the gap against the front runners in the Southeastern Conference? Yeah, um, that was an easy question. I think would would I mean it's it's a bunch of things. It's it's recruiting, uh, it's player development, uh, it's coaching, it's execution. You know, there's a lot of things that we've got to do uh, from an entire program standpoint to to cut that gap and on and off the field, and that's what we're working every day to to. to uh, Said the bridge I get. Joe, two games left. Obviously, you guys still have a chance to go to a bowl game. Is there at least? Some, I know it's just walking off the field, but is there at least some confidence that you know you guys still have what you wanted in front of you, and that's a postseason bird? Yeah, we have confidence every week. Went into this game with confidence. You know, obviously the kids are down, and they should be, and uh, you know, never going to be upset with a, or never going to be pleased with, with a loss. But you know, we're going to come in tomorrow. We're going to watch film. We're going to get better off it. We got to reload and get ready for Abilene Christian, and you know, work to be one and zero next week and get one number five. All right, Shane, so Mississippi State has got two winnable games to finish out the season. Obviously, this Abilene Christian, I mean, my God, if, if he finds a way to lose that. It, <laughs> I mean, then he better take that Rutgers job. <laughs> but I don't know if there's going to be a game bigger on the schedule to close out the season. Maybe Gus Miles on in the Iron Bowl, but mm-hmm. with the exception of that, Joe Moorhead has got to win this Egg Bowl at home. I mean that if the, if he finds a way to lose that game, Shane, there is going to be some serious heat. There's going to be some serious talk all off season. I think there's going to be a ton of pressure come Thanksgiving. Joe Moorhead, they've got to close the season here with with two wins and and hopefully get another one in the bowl game. I imagine. You know, from all that we're just saying about this program, if they finish somehow on a three-game winning streak, that's going to quiet a lot of those doubters. Dude, this this game I've had circled all year long, but the closer it gets, just the more exciting it feels. You know, especially especially uh, as as much as Old Miss has kind of felt like they turned the corner as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so this this is going to be a heck of a game. I want to get. I mean, that's two weeks away. I don't want to get you know too far down there, but. Yeah, there's an opportunity that they can close out the season, make a bowl game, which I think would be a huge victory. Get those extra practices. Uh, I think that's that's very important. And, uh, you know, given the cards they were dealt this year, I, I would consider that a win without a doubt. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, sticking in the SEC West, let's jump on down to Oxford where LSU took care of business. It was kind of ugly but they got the win 58 to 37. And I got to be honest, Shane, this was the most entertaining 21 <laughs> point ball game I think I've seen in my life. I mean, LSU jumped out to a huge lead. I believe it was 28 to 0. And that's about how long it took Ole Miss to get into this thing. And then after that point, I mean, it was just trading scores for about the rest of the game. This was so much fun to watch. If you missed it, Highly recommend you go back and watch this one. I mean, LSU 714 yards of total offense, but then flip it over to Ole Miss, they had 614. Uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow threw for 489 and five touchdowns. Uh, John Rice Plumley 
rushed for 212 yards, four touchdowns, threw for another 123. Uh, Jerry Ely, 141 rushing yards. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 172 yards rushing. I mean, these there was just an offensive explosion in this one, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, it was exciting, dude. Every time you flip, because I kept flipping back and forth, and every time I flipped over, man, it felt like either you know Edwards was running down the sideline, Chase was running down the <laughs> sideline, or Plum, you know, Plum Tree was running down the sideline. So it just this was a fantastic game, um, start to finish. There was even there at the end, it felt like there was a chance Old Miss may sneak back into this. Uh, you know, but LSU's just got, you know, way too many weapons and, and even banged up up front, you know, they were still able to reel off 172 yards rushing. So this is, this, this team was both of them just, just lights out. And I'm sure Coach O's not happy with the, the, the amount of yardage that they gave up to Ole Miss, but I'm sure he's not complaining about walking away with a victory either. Mm Mm-hmm. And we kind of teased it there leading up to this one, Shane. For those that didn't know the name John Rice Plumley, man, they, yeah. they found out his name real quick on Saturday night. I had uh, one of our Georgia listeners reach out to me, and, you know, he was committed to Georgia for a long time. It's, I don't know how they would have used him, but you, they could certainly use his playmaking ability. I mean, he is just so damn electric with the ball in his hands. Is mm-hmm. I. The only thing I can think of, and I'm starting to think he's even better than this guy, is Nick Marshall from Auburn is kind of what he reminds me of with just – I mean, this guy's even faster, I think. It's just LSU it seemed like they had a read on him for just a half a second, then he's gone. So, <laughs> I mean, it was wild, but at the same time, their their defense could not contain LSU or those receivers, couldn't tackle him. Joe Burrow, I mean, he just continues to make plays with his legs and his arms. I mean, he was juking and jiving, spinning down the field. And let me ask you this, Shane, because it seemed to me, you know, I I would imagine, obviously, Ole Miss defense, they're constantly defending the run in practice. I don't think they get any, you know, real good work stopping the passing game. So that's probably why they're getting lit up in all these games. And then you could kind of flip it over to the other side. I I wonder LSU is probably – you know, they're not seeing much of a rushing attack quite like this Ole Miss, so I kind of anticipated this was going to be a crazy back-and-forth game, but how concerned, if at all, are you that LSU's defense got gashed like this? I know Ole Miss has been doing this. I mean, they did it to Alabama. They they basically did it to everybody they've played since John Rice Plumley has been the starter, but, I mean, this this defense does not look like national championship caliber. Yeah, no, I – you know, the Alabama or LSU, I thought they were going to have a letdown a little bit after that Alabama game. So that's that's part of the reason. You know, LSU did have a lot of players not able to dress out for this thing, uh, you know, because that was a physical game they just got out of. And, you know, so that could have been a factor. But, you know, this kind of feels like LSU started the season, you know, uh, just kind of do away the defense, just just pick up the tempo. We can outscore you, you know. Our our 
offense is better than yours. And that's what it kind of felt like with this game. I'm pretty sure that there was moments Coach O could have slowed this thing down. But, you know, if Chase wants to run 60 yards, you know, who's going to stop him, you know? So it just the defense just got wore down toward the end. And you you got to see uh, uh, Plum, man. He, he's just – he is literally the fastest quarterback I've ever seen my life mm-hmm. and if he ever if he learns how to throw the ball uh, which I think he will you know I mean they're obviously gonna he was nine of 16 so he did have a little production in the offense but just when I was talking about how good he was he threw that nasty interception you know so <laughs> he is a freshman but you know it's something the here's old Miss man Ole Miss was down. They, everybody was telling them how bad they're going to suck this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a lot of Ole Miss fans out there excited. Yeah, they're not going to make a bowl game this year, but, you know, they still got a chance to 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 win that Egg Bowl, man. They still got a chance to, to build off something, and they got a lot of young talent down there. They found themselves a quarterback. You got to be feeling pretty good about Coach Luke and, uh, and the situation you got down there. And you can't totally rule them out because if uh... – I believe they have the APR to go to a bowl game. If, oh, okay. if they win the egg bowl, the egg bowl, they'll be five and seven. It's not a slam dunk, but they'll there's still that glimmer of hope out there. Uh, but let's kick it over to Coach O'Shane on winning this game ugly on his team's defensive issues, and then uh, you know he really credited Ole Miss for making some second half adjustments in this one. Coach, uh, does it say something like the expectations of this team that some of the players look like y'all lost after the game? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you win by 21, yeah. but there's an expectation so high now that even well, when you struggle, you're, they're not – That's they're what not I have to remind them of. Let's enjoy the win. Let's don't get gritty. You know what I'm saying? Uh, let's don't uh, – let's keep our feet on the ground. Our object is to win the game, and uh, we won the game. We won it by 21 points. So. But obviously when you don't play well on defense at LSU, nobody's feeling good. That's, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I just you need to look at it. Now, obviously, 400 yards rushing. I don't know if I've ever been a part of a team that give up 400 yards rushing. So, uh, you know, you don't you don't want that on your football team. So we're gonna need to look at it. Need to look at it on film. See where we went wrong, uh, schematically, personnel-wise, technique, whatever it may be. We're gonna fix it. The bottom line is, you know, when you win win games, you know, you kind of pick pick things apart and stuff like that. The object is to win the game. Is this one of those where the initial game plan is kind of works out well and they adjust the defense on on your side to kind of find some corrections? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. And, and, and again, man, that counter play, that counter read, uh, maybe when you get a one guy over, maybe the guy was there to make a tackle. Got to look at it on tape. They had a good game plan. All right, Shane. So, yeah, Coach O seemed not too concerned, but uh, I just <laughs> I loved how he said, you know, we – 700 yards, never seen that, but uh, we gave up 600. <laughs> I've never seen that either. So, <laughs> I mean, they've got to, they have got to get that fixed here. I know they're playing Arkansas, and but uh, they got to get that fixed before Texas A&M comes to town. But do they? I mean, honestly, what have you seen this year? I mean, other than Alabama, is I've not seen any te- – like Texas A&M – even if they just took the defense off the field and they just swapped back offensive drives, you know, that's, I mean, I don't see them stopping them. You know what I'm saying? So it just, I don't know. Do they have to stop this? Do they have to get better at defense? I don't know. Well, I, mean, I just think from everything we've seen from LSU so far, 
I mean, yeah. obviously, SEC winning that would be huge, but I think the goal at, in the and it's a clear defined goal is to win the national championship, and they I do not think they can win the national championship with playing defense like this. Yeah, oh, I got you. It's just amazing. I mean, they're 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 getting so many yards per attempt. Just not just rushing, <laughs> not just passing, just. Just an actual play, they're they're gashing like twelve yards. You know, if your offense is not going to be on the field long, your defense is going to wear out. So, uh, I don't know. It's just it was it was an exciting game. Probably one of the best games I've seen all year. All right, Shane. Let's kick it down to College Station, where the Aggies they beat South Carolina thirty to six. And this game was actually a little bit closer than that final score would indicate. South Carolina. You know, their defense played fairly well. I think they just really got worn out because the offense was giving them basically nothing for most of the game. The Aggies scored 17 points in the fourth quarter to kind of muck this one up a little bit, but credit the Aggies. I mean, 319 rushing yards, that's outstanding. Uh, But, uh, you know, the biggest takeaway for me is just South Carolina's offense is just all of a sudden, I mean, it's pathetic and – you know, Muschamp obviously taking a lot of heat. Uh, Brian McClendon taking a ton of heat. Uh, but, you know, there's injuries all over the field. I know fans don't want to hear that right now, but the running backs banged up. Their best receiver sat the game, Brian Edwards. Uh, the tight ends lost for the year. And, I mean, they just look all out of sorts on that side mm-hmm. of the ball. And it really showed. And it, it was almost like, and, and Muschamp even indicated this after the game, that uh, Jimbo, you know, he could tell, he could read it, and they basically just went super conservative on him because they knew there was no chance South Carolina was even going to test him. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly right, man. They they went traditional script on this thing and played fundamental football, and South Carolina just – Boy, they're, I mean, they are literally banged. Uh, I mean, they are limping into this thing. Even the guys they had out there, I don't think we're 100%. You know, I, I still don't think Dowdle's 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Smith was still banged up. You know, it was just, it was, it was, it was a tough game to watch. Hell, Helensky looked awful, man. Um, you know, I, I was ready to crown this kid after that Charleston game, but I'm like, ugh. The season, as the season goes on, the more and more I don't like from Holinsky. Now, I know he's a true freshman. He's going to have some growing pains, and he needs weapons around him. But 41 attempts, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Averaging four yards a, a pass, that's just that's not going to cut it. And then I mean, if you flip the side, if you go on the other side, you got Texas A&M loaded with young talent. And, uh, you know, I've been giving Texas A&M a hard, hard time, man. But I'm telling you, they haven't put a complete game together yet, but this one was pretty daggone close. They they were hitting on on all cylinders. They got that rushing game going. Uh, just, I mean, they just, it was boring. It wasn't fun, but it was exactly what Texas A&M needed to do to win this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're playing their best football despite all these young kids playing. They're ranked in both polls again, won four in a row and five of six. So, obviously, their last two incredibly difficult. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure who put this A&M schedule together, but at Georgia, <laughs> at LSU, do you have faith that A&M can win one of these games? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. And, and 
I, I think their next, I think their best bet is going to be against Georgia. Um, you know, Georgia has shown that, I don't know. I, I just, that offense hasn't shown enough. So I don't think that there's a, I don't, there's not a worry that Georgia's just going to run away with this game, even though they've got plenty of talent on that team to do so. I just, I don't think A&M playing this fundamental football that they've had and the sound game, man. I mean, they, they shut South Carolina running game down, not saying they're going to do that against Georgia, but if they do, mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, absolutely. I, I'd give Texas A&M a fighting shot to win that game. Well, let's kick it over to Jimbo after this one, Shane, who talked about uh, his outstanding running attack here and then on his team taking care of business down the stretch and uh, like i said playing some of their best football of the season yeah coach um what the way you run the football was that kind of the game plan coming in would try to uh establish that run and maybe take uh advantage of something that they weren't doing or well, was we it did, about we were, y'all having some trouble early protecting things like well that? we had some protection but we had some run pass options rpos a lot of things we hit some nice plays at the tight end and then they had to start respecting those things the balls we were getting to the flat to the tight ends and to the backs and some of that stuff so it opened things up inside and we were able to keep a good mix and kellen was checking us and getting us in the right things i mean he does a great job of understanding the big game plan he's growing mentally as a, as a football player really well and uh but you know you have to be physical we wanted to be physical because if you allowed their front to be one-dimensional they're too good they were going to hit you and, they, and you, you saw it tonight they brought some pass rush at times how important was it for your team to take care of business in the stretch at home considering what you have looming big and, and it shows you the maturity we had and like i say these games you know you have a chance to do it and do it in your home field and and uh it's big to play and i don't want to do it here for 12th man too these people this there's not an atmosphere and environment like this in college football and what a fan base sixth largest crowd in history tonight hey coach yeah just kind of going off that uh uh, where do you like where the momentum is with the team heading into these last couple games? And what you well, guys here, here's what I like the most: we're practicing better on the practice field. We're off the we ain't having the mistakes. But practices are getting over because sh- we're not having repeats. They're coming ready to practice, being physical in practice, being more consistent, and it's showing up on the field. Now we had a few more extra penalties tonight, which was very disappointing to me. I thought we had too many, but. We hadn't had them in practice. Our alignment's taking care of the football. We only had the one turnover at the end, which is unfortunate. But we're learning to take care. This in our practice and preparation is getting so much better. And I think they're now they're starting to see cause and effect. Young guys, young people don't always understand cause and effect. Because I do this, this is what happens. They want to blame everything in the world over, I don't get, listen, you control what happens to you. How you prepare, how you play, and what you do get you the results by the choices you make. And I think they're starting to buy into that and understand it truly. All right, Chase, so the Aggies playing some great football here, kind of like I hit on. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. This was, this was the thing that killed Kevin Sumlin off, which is his teams wilted down the stretch. How impressive is it that uh, Jimbo two seasons in a row now, I know they still obviously got two big games here, and they, you know, if they don't play their A game, they could, they'll drop both of them. So, I, you know, I'm not ready to crown these guys, but, Imagine if they win one or, hell, if somehow they win both of them. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a run here for the Aggies. But I'm just incredibly impressed that uh, Jimbo's able to get these guys playing their best football when I don't think anyone in College Station was ready to write these guys off. But, you know, there was there was plenty of rumblings around the SEC, Shane, that old Jimbo, $7.5 million man, is ain't worth the shit. And I, I even saw some article where it's, it, not that he had a losing record, but it was like it was like he was basically 500 against uh, you know power five teams or something in, in his last three or four years. Which I don't I don't know what the hell that's got to do with his future. But people are basically saying that uh, 
Texas A&M got swindled here. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not going to say that. Jimbo's a heck of a recruiter, and you know they they had a hell of a class last year. And look what that those freshmen are doing this year. Right. You know what I'm saying? Give 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 the man some time. Now I know you've got a lot of money invested in him. The facilities are nice, but look at the production he's been able to get out of his young talent so far. Wait till he gets a few classes under his belt, and then all of a sudden you're going to say, "Wait, this is a this is a competitor in the West." You know, this is this is potential uh, uh, SEC champion here. You know, I, I think they're at that point. Uh, you know that, but they're still young. You know, but they still have an opportunity. Here we're talking about Georgia and LSU, and is there a chance to win? Absolutely. They're seven and three. There's a good chance in, in Jimbo's second year that he's got a, a an opportunity to win this thing. So um, I'm not ready to rule him out. I think what he's what he's done with what he's had down there has been pretty impressive. Now I gave him a hard time. You know, uh, a lot of people wanted to crown him at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. They weren't ready for that, but it just feels like as the season progresses the better that Texas A&M is, has become. You know, I'm just – I'm really eager, Shane, for that next Florida State coach to uh, blame Jimbo for why he's losing. <laughs> How many years has Jimbo <laughs> been there now? This is only his second year. Second year. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, no, dude, second year? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, flipping over to the other side of this one, Shane, Will Muschamp, again, facing some uh, tough questions – and, you know, with all these comments coming out, we, we missed it because it was on Friday's show, but uh, South Carolina issued a lengthy statement saying, you know, Muschamp's not going anywhere. He's our coach for the future and all, all this. So he was asked about that uh, on the offense, failing to get going here. And then final, uh, the first thing here, I just thought it was kind of funny because two South Carolina players got ejected for targeting. And, I mean, basically – these calls. I mean, I I don't know how to call targeting. I don't know. These coaches apparently don't either, and I can't blame them. The Brunson targeting call. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna comment on any of that. Two of our guys got whacked, and I, you know, it's beyond me, guys. I'm I'm done. I'm done with it. On Friday. I did. What was that communication? You know what? Since from day one till now and moving forward, I've had wonderful communication support. Number one, from Coach Tanner and his administration. Number two, the president's office, starting with President Pastides and now with President Caslin and the board. And everyone's been unbelievably supportive. Now, publicly, I don't know what all's out there, but I know that from my standpoint, everybody's been supportive and positive about where we're heading and what we're doing. Were you appreciative of that statement? Sure, yeah. But that's nothing's ever wavered or changed for me. Right. I mean, nothing has. We've had a rough year. We also are a staff that won more games in three years than any other staff in South Carolina history. So we have done some good things here, and we've had a very rough year, okay? And, and that's frustrating. It's, it's, very, it's frustrating for us all. You know, I've been a coach that's been a part of national championships and multiple conference championships, and I plan on taking this program where it, it hadn't really ever been before. I really do plan on doing that. And it's been a very frustrating year for us, and I appreciate the support in a very trying time. But the support's never changed. That's what's frustrating for me is we have this perception of what's happening out there. The support's never changed from any of those three entities. You talk about getting this program somewhere that's never been. As you sit here today, do you still have the amount of confidence you absolutely to do that? absolutely? Why? Because we've got the resources available now. As far as our facilities are concerned, we've got the support that we need to be successful. We've always had the support we need to be successful, and we're not as far off as people seem to think we are. And that's the most frustrating part for us. And you get into a rut from a confidence standpoint, which is kind of where we are right now. It snowballs on you, and it's been unfortunate. Do you believe? 
Well, we, we, we got to be more productive offensively. Call it like it is. We, we, we've got to be more productive. We haven't played as consistently defensively as we need to play. I mean, you know, tonight, you know, again, you're a two-score game with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter on the road. Um, it's a defensive battle. It's a, it's a field position battle. Uh, it was very evident from the way Jimbo was calling plays for me as a guy that's been with him for a long time. I understood where, where he, his mindset was throughout the entire game. So that, that's, that was kind of how the game was going, in my opinion, you know. All right, Shane. So Muschamp facing, uh, you know, some a hotter and hotter seat. It seems like it seems like none of the damn fans want him back. But yeah, unless they get just completely housed by Clemson, and it, hell, that may even happen. I think he's coming back almost for sure, barring some scandal or something. But he's clearly, I think, going to have to make some changes here on his offensive staff. Or, or do you agree with that? I mean, we kind of talked about how banged up on offense they are is that I don't know do you have you have to make a change at coordinator there I I almost think you have to at this point but uh, what are your thoughts um maybe I I I honestly I think you got to do something if you're must champ you know even if you don't think it's the right move uh, I think you need to bring a coordinator in and uh at least save face you know that you're trying to improve this ball club um, I'm kind of surprised, honestly. Is it Warner, the the quarterback whisperer down there? <laughs> yeah. It, you know, I mean, we we hyped this guy up coming in, and it just felt like we've not got anything out of it, you know. So uh, maybe that's a, an area to look at. So I, I think yes, but you can't you can't just change your whole offense. You know, they've already done that once, and I think that's what set them back so much. Mm-hmm. They've got to get somebody that kind of plays the same uh, tempo that that. South Carolina has because that's what they're equipped for. That's what their linemen are set for. It's what those wide receivers are going to be set for. The quarterbacks used to playing, so it's it's a tricky situation. But I think if Muschamp comes back, definitely there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some changes at the at the at the club. But let me ask you something, man. If it does happen, mm-hmm. if they do fire him, obviously they're going to want to bring in somebody cheap you know either a, a young up up and comer or something like that who is there a list that you're thinking of if that were to happen would be interested in that job you know i haven't even gone that far down the road with it shane but i think you're kind of right because he's got a damn near 19 million dollar buyout mm-hmm. i mean it's very hard to imagine they're gonna be paying that and then you know they, they're not getting urban meyer to come down there or anything like that so no I don't even know where to begin with that one, Shane. But I think you, I bet I think Lane right. would do it for pretty cheap. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, think about it. He'd love it over there, Gamecock Lane. You know, they have all kinds of stuff. <laughs> they would be getting asked about that gas station <laughs> comment. I'll tell you that. And you get him for a year before he's fired. So you know, I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just think you know. Just somebody like that or Hugh Freeze or, you know, one of these guys that just, you know, will probably do it next for nothing just to earn that, you know, understand the situation that they've got to pay off Muschamp, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's just something to keep an eye on because I didn't think – I mean, golly, man, I've been so hard on South Carolina. But after that game, I'm afraid that they're going to get destroyed by Clemson at this moment. You know, it's just – and if they do that, if he has lost this locker room, if he has lost this team, even though they're banged up, you know, and they get destroyed, I think there is a chance, man, that he does lose the job. 
Yeah, and I, I hate to hear these coaches. He keeps saying we won more games in three years than any staff ever. I mean, that's just like a Butch Jones type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Let, let it go. <laughs> we we know what you did, Will, but yeah. it's about what you're going to do moving forward, you know? Exactly. That's like, yeah, Ole Miss. You look at Ole Miss, there's things to be excited for. Your team's going in the right direction, you know. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, same thing. Things are moving in the right direction. You don't have the greatest record. And then you got teams like South Carolina, it just feels like they're falling back. And that's what you can't afford to do. Even if it's one season and you fall back. And, and even though recruiting's been great, you know, it's not signing day yet. So, I don't know. I'm worried about them, buddy. All right, Shane, let's jump to the SEC East, where Florida took care of business on the road, 23-6. to And this was kind of an ugly game. I mean, the Gators were in complete control, even though it was a bit of a low-scoring game for much of it. Uh, but it just seemed like every time Florida would take essentially two steps forward, they'd take one step back. I mean, there'd be, they'd be hitting them for big plays, but then they'd get in the red zone and, and they'd have to settle for you know, field goals, what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they try some kind of like weird special play and then it would it blow up in their <laughs> face. And, and I thought, uh, you know, I understand getting Emory Jones out on the field. You know, you got, you got to get this kid some reps, but it just seems like they were getting kind of too cute with it and it was kind of coming at the wrong time, particularly considering Kyle Trask was having a, a pretty solid day there. Uh, the Gators couldn't really get much going on the ground, but they didn't really have to because every time I was looking up, Shane, Missouri was basically going three and out. Uh, both yeah. these teams really struggled on third down. It was, you know, this is what you want if you're a Gator. You go on the road, you never really threaten, get a big SEC East win and uh, lock up, you know, the second place in the East, take a big step towards New Year's, a New Year's Six bowl game. The Gators finish out SEC East play with a big win. What are your thoughts on this one? Before I get started, Mike, was it an interception or a reception? <laughs> I thought that was uh, clearly an interception. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I guess it was one of those where, you know, it's kind of hard to overturn, and they just they just stuck with the call they made on the field for some reason. Yeah, I kind of felt like a Des Bright role, you know. It just feels like maybe some things are going to change. I, I I don't know if they'll change, but you know, the rule book states if if they both have possession, uh, you know, it's it's going to go in favor of the the offense. So, mm-hmm. I mean, even if it didn't say anything about 10 90%, you know, <laughs> possession. So, yeah. I'm with you. It felt like an interception, but he just had enough, and that's why I guess you just play through those, but you're right, man. This this was a ugly first half. Um, neither team could get anything going. And it's crazy because here I was bashing Missouri, and the next thing I know, Missouri's got like 10 sacks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like this, this defense, this, this defensive front, defensive front can't do anything. And, and it felt like trash, man. It was He got hit more in this game than he has all season. So um, they both brought it. They, they really did. And it just – you know, and I don't know if this was uh, Coach uh, Odom that said this, but you know, it takes it takes a good play stacked with other good plays. You know, and it just felt like they would have one good play, but then two bad ones. You know, it just they weren't able to to get one series together, one drive together, and and you just can't do that when you're playing a team like 
Florida, man. Uh, you know, their defense was just too good. They were not going to allow the big play. Uh, they they bit, but they didn't break, and that's that's exactly what Coach wanted to do. I'm sure he wanted to beat them by more, but uh, I, he's, he's happy with the 23-6 win here. Mm-hmm. And I forgot to mention this, Shane, but uh, Missouri was wearing some kind of like military uh, military appreciation uniforms. I thought they were mm-hmm. outstanding. I mean, I would. I know they're not going to switch to these full time, but I almost would. They look that good. I love that logo on yeah. the helmet, the military logo. And I, mm-hmm. But how about this stat, Shane? I mean, this is terrible. Missouri receivers have not scored a single touchdown in an SEC game. I mean, mm. my God! When, when they've got and they've got some talented receivers, you know. So, well, didn't Nance just come back? Wasn't this his first game back? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, I mean, he's been in and out, but there's there's still. I mean, we're talking six games in, and yeah, that's true. <laughs> they don't have a touchdown reception. <laughs> God, that's brutal. But uh, let's kick it over here to Dan Mullen after this one, Shane, because his receivers got plenty of touchdowns. And he just talks about this special group of senior receivers. And keep in mind, you know, he did uh, essentially recruit Van Jefferson, but the rest of them, uh, not necessarily his guys, guys he inherited, but guys he's getting the most out of, and he really appreciates them. And then I just really like this comment he had on, uh, you know, Florida's had a lot of adversity this year. And I really think Dan Mullen and his coaching staff have done an outstanding job getting these players ready to play, and uh, just the next man up mentality. Everyone says it, but very few teams can do it as well as the Gators have done it this year. Beautiful catch. Beautiful catch. Yeah. Josh's catch, you know, amazing. And, and you look, you know, you have you have four senior wideouts. I, I, that all they worry about is getting better. All they worry about is, is performing to their best when they're on the field, or whether it's special teams, offense, or defense. And those are, that's a special group, you know. Um, it's no egos, no concerns. Hey, I'm on the field. I'll keep doing this. I'll keep doing that. They get after each other. They motivate each other. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, as a coach, it's a, it's a really special thing. I I trust all of them. I don't, you know. And and the great thing is, is even the young guys, right? I mean, Trey's played a lot of football for us, and you, and you really trust him making big time plays. And then Copeland's really stepped up his game a ton, you know. And so now, I mean, you look at it, and now he's rolling. You know, I think he's looked at them and said, hey, I'm, I'm be like them, and I'm like them, and now he's making plays all over the field for us. And, you know, and it, you know what it makes it really easy to do is call plays when you're not worried about who's getting the ball or, or who's doing this. Now, at times we might like come off sideline, hey, let's get this guy this, this shot, give him a chance right here. It's really funny. If it goes well, they let me know. I mean, why aren't you giving me the shot every time? And if it doesn't go well, oh boy, I mean, they hear it from all the other boys. Like, boy, he put. He gave you that chance. If that was me, like that would have been a touchdown, you know. And and they get after each other. So it's it's just a fun group to watch and how they work and how they how they motivate each other. Huge, uh, you know. Like I said, our guys bought in. Our guys have bought in. Next guy up mentality. Guys work. Our coach. Uh, you know, that's a that's a big assistant coaches deal. Uh, I mean, the assistant coaches are doing a great job of putting get preparing guys and putting guys in position to be successful. Uh, they've done a good job, and the players responding to that of saying, "Hey, my number's called. I better be ready. Coach is going to put me in a good position. My, hey, my assistant, my position coach is going to put me in a good, good position. Coordinator's going to call a good play for me to be in position and do what I can do. And all I got to do is trust in what's going on, believe in it, and most importantly, you know, as as a team, worry about the plays I'm on the on the field. 
If you look to our leaders, worry about, don't worry, don't, don't worry about who starts. Don't worry about who's rotated. Don't worry about what number of plays I play. Don't worry about what's going on with this or what's going on with that. Worry about one thing. When I'm on the field, go as hard as I can go and play the best of my ability. And if I do that, I'm going to become a great player. We're going to have a great team. And I think, you know, when you look, and especially you start with some of the older guys. All right, Shane, so Dan Mullen was feeling good after this one. And, uh, you know, why wouldn't he? His team's rolling here. Uh, they only got to beat Florida State, which, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to be a sizable favorite in two weeks. They got to buy next week. But, uh, I mean, that looks like they're heading to another New Year's Six game. Yeah, so there's absolutely no way they make the playoffs, right? I mean, have you figured out some loophole? I don't think so because, uh, you know, obviously they can't go to the SEC championship game. They got two losses. So it's just going to be incredibly difficult to – I don't think the committee will, will honestly give them a shot. I got you. Yeah, no, they, I mean, they've had a hell of a season. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple of games they'd like to have back, obviously. But, uh, you know, this is uh, – you got to feel pretty good about Dan Mullen down there, you know? I mean, hell, I would. I mean, look what he's done two years in a row. And if he can find a way to get some talent down there, uh, this team's only going to keep getting better because as far as X's and O's, I mean, he's he's kind of shown you why he's one of the better, you know, play callers in the league. Mm -hmm. All right, Shane, last game here. Kentucky travels down to Vanderbilt, just destroys Bro the Commodores. Can I ask you one question? Sure, buddy. If Kelly Bryant, if Kelly Bryant would have went to Auburn, do you think they'd be undefeated right now? Ooh. Hmm. Like he made a decision. He wanted to go up to Missouri. But I'm just thinking quarterback play's been kind of the – nothing against Bo. I think he's got a bright future, but it, I think it would have been better to bring in somebody that's got some experience and some weapons around him. You know, Missouri's wide receiver's been banged up, the offensive line. I'm just saying, if he would have went down there, mm -hmm. are we seeing in a different narrative? I won't say undefeated, but I'll say one loss okay. going into the Iron Bowl. How's that? Okay. I like that. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, final game on the docket here. Kentucky travels down to Vanderbilt, whips up on them Commodores 38-14. to <laughs> And believe it or not, if you missed this game, you, you didn't miss much outside of Kentucky just running damn rough shot on the on Derek Mason's squad here. But mm. the Commodores were up 14-3 to in this one. Scored a touchdown on their second possession of the game. Came back with a scoop and score touchdown. And it, you know, really, I was feeling great about my Vanderbilt plus the points pick. <laughs> <laughs> then them uh, Kentucky Wildcats, Shane, ran off 35 consecutive points. Lynn Bowden, this guy is a damn machine, 110 yards on the ground, 104 through the air, two touchdowns, one passing, one rushing. Chris Rodriguez went rough shot. I mean, this was uh, his best game as a Wildcat, the freshman, 129 yards, two rushing touchdowns. And then Cavassier smoked, Shane, he nearly had 100. He got 95 and a <laughs> touchdown. Whew, Derek Mason, what is going on? This this is your defense, your defensive-minded coach. You know what's coming, and you just can't stop it. 401 yards rushing for Kentucky. How impressive is this Kentucky ground game, Shane? Dude, I told you. I told you Vandy was going to stack that box, and then Kentucky was going to start throwing a little bit. <laughs> and when they did, it just, I mean, it just opened up. 
the floodgates. And once Kentucky got going, there was no stopping them. I mean, you're talking about a game they possessed the ball for about 40 minutes of. You know what I'm saying? To <laughs> Vandy's 20. This is this was scripted. This is, dude, I saw it last week, Vandy. I knew it was coming. You know, you should have knew it was coming. Once these boys got going, there was no stopping them. I mean, 400 yards rushing, that's ridiculous. And and knowing that they were going to do it. So, I, I'm I'm proud of them, man. You know, I got to see Lynn there after the game with his boy, and it just, you know, this this team has been through a lot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's, you know, they've they've gone through two quarterbacks. They, you got Lynn coming in, a wide receiver playing quarterback. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is a true, this is a true damn team right here. This is these guys got each other's back it just feels like and and they've been through some stuff and they're just they're riding this thing they're sitting there they got a chance to make a bowl game i hope they do and um i don't know it's it's exciting man it's it's an exciting offense because it's an offense you don't see often yeah and uh a week after i think vanderbilt had the 87 passing yards they got 90 in this one so they're doing a little bit better shane it's it's is Vanderbilt the worst team yet, Mike? No. I mean, they no. got to be getting Ar- Arkansas still owns that title, I think. But you, you, might, you might be on to something. You might be the only one saying it, but you might be right. And then how about this, Shane? Leading receiver for Vanderbilt, Kalijah Lipscomb, four catches for 12 yards. <laughs> Gee, it's just – it's ridiculous. I, I mean, I don't know. That's what pisses me off is Vanderbilt's got some talent, you know. Keyshawn Vaughn is – arguably one of the best running backs in the nation, Mm -hmm. you know. Lipscomb will be playing on Sunday one day, you know what I'm saying? You've got a tight end that I don't even know if he exists anymore on this team, you know. (laughs) Did he even go to this game? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's like they've got some talent, and they're just not doing anything with it, and I'm putting that on Coach Mason, man. I thought thought Derek Mason was safe, but – after something like this, after the last couple of weeks, I mean, this ETSU game, as sad as that is to say, oh, I mean, that's man. that's a must win. And then, but hell, Shane, if he beats Tennessee, I mean, what would it be? Fourth year in a row. That's true. He may get an extension. So, I mean, I think that's the only that's game true. they care about up there. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. All right, Shane, so that's all we got on this one. But uh, before we hop off here, real quick, we can do mm-hmm. guess. The opening lines. We only got three games to guess this week, Shane. Okay. And I shot you an email, and I've yet to hear that response. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll start right here, Shane. Texas A&M at Georgia. What's your line for that one? Hmm. I'm gonna favor Georgia by ten. Ooh. I got this one exactly right, Shane. 14 is what I guess. That's what it is. Bulldogs favored at home over Texas A&M by 14. Thoughts on that? Hmm. I think it's about four points off, but I like it, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How about this one, Shane? Arkansas at LSU. Obviously LSU, but uh, by how many here? Oh, geez. Uh, Let's go LSU 29. I said 35, Shane, and I thought, you know, could it really be 35? I don't know. That's a lot of points. This line debuted LSU favored by 46. 
Golly, this, Mike. This is apparently the largest spread in the SEC dating back to 1978, I believe is, mm. the, is the stat. I saw that floating out there. Man, 40, year. 46 points. <laughs> I mean, as bad as Arkansas has been, I mean, you have to take the points here, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I tell you, this Arkansas – is going to be playing for something this week. Now, I know it's a tough team, but damn, you know, uh, a lot of people, a lot of these players love this new interim coach, you know, so I don't know. I think I think this one's a, an interesting bet, Mike. All right, last game here, Shane. Tennessee at Missouri. Who are you favoring in this one? Uh, of course, Tennessee, but I think that the media is going to say Missouri by four. Ooh, well, you get this one, Shane, because I thought Tennessee would be favored by three. But you were right. Missouri opened up as a six-point favorite. That's that's pretty damn bizarre. And I know this one has already been bet down, I believe, down to, to Shane's four number. So seems like you were a little bit closer to the, the general consensus here. But uh, could you see Tennessee, by the time this game kicks, being the favorite in this one? Uh, maybe not the favorite, but definitely close to a pickup mm-hmm. before because you know Missouri played really bad last week. But it is at home, and Missouri is a different team at home. I mean, they gave Florida a run for the money, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I and hell, Florida kicked their ass. So maybe they are right on this one. I don't know. And I don't know, you know, if you for what this really counts, Shane. But Tennessee's five in a row have, have beaten the spread. And Missouri, yeah. five in a row, have failed to cover the spread. So, a little bit of a uh, little inside info. It's Shades 1-0, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I started a new streak this week, Mike. I forgot what it was to cash in. <laughs> well, Shane, I think that's a good time to jump off here. That's all I got. You got anything before we hop off? Uh, no, that's it, Mike. This is a long one. So, well, I guess I will see y'all tomorrow. Appreciate y'all hanging out. Uh, the ratings review really do help us out. And, uh, dude, the pictures, phenomenal. I mean, I saw some great ones this weekend with the koozies. Uh, I appreciate everybody and their support. You know, that's awesome. Just seeing, seeing the brand spread like that, man. Yeah, we got them on trains. We got them on planes. We got them at the games. We got them in, in people's homes. So, uh, wherever you are traveling to the game watching the game bring your sec koozie you want one yourself just give us a five-star rating and review we're more than happy to ship that out to you free of charge but that's going to do it shane on this one Uh, thanks for joining me as always thank you everyone for tuning in we'll catch you on the next one all right see you guys go vols i got 17 rings mike
Oh, shit. Here they come. Lang train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one second, man. Keyshawn. Yeah, buddy, get it. You get that horn. <laughs> <laughs> I hate trains, man. I don't know if you knew this. Have you ever been on one? Uh, just at the airport. Yeah, it's a waste of time. I went to one up in uh, Dollywood. That's the only train I've been on, you know, but it, it was dumb. <laughs> I just, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. Now, I'd, I'd like to go on one of those speed trains. Remember Joe went on one of those speed trains or one of those, like, go at, like, 100, 200 miles an hour? Oh, you in, seen those? like, Europe? Yeah, like if you get somewhere, like I could understand if you got on a train and you could be somewhere in like an like an hour, you know, like I could be in Nashville in thirty minutes, you know what I'm saying? Then a train's cool, but if it takes me five hours to get to Nashville, it's three hours away driving. Then why do we have a train? Why why does the train exist? You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? I, I think it's a waste, a waste of space. They take all those tracks up and stuff, just. Whatever. It's just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm sure somebody does. He's probably a listener that, we probably got several listeners on the, that, that work on the train crew, so <laughs> I don't want to bash them too bad, but it's just, it just, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why they still exist. Okay. All right. Where were we?